Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. And happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to Fight Club. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Fight Club for Business, the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts, and we get to be joined this week by our guest, Billy Klein. Thank you so much, Billy, for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're super excited to have you on the show. Do you mind just giving our listeners a brief rundown of yourself and your business? So I've been in business off and on, really. I I don't know that I've ever had a quote unquote real job. Uh, Ever since I graduated high school, I've been self-employed in some capacity. Uh, I started out doing a lot of hard labor jobs, uh, building and construction. I worked as a logger for a while um, right out of high school. I just kind of bounced around in the trades for a while, plumbing, um, roofing, framing, all the things. And then I just kind of started getting a lot of calls for doors. Um, I did installations for Home Depot for a while doing their doors and I really enjoyed it and I understood it well. Um, I felt like there was a a hole in the market for something a little bit bigger than what was being provided. So I just uh, decided that's where I wanted to go and I started to develop my niche and uh, about 12, 13 years later and doors only, here we are. That's awesome. Well, we're super excited to have you with us, Billy, and really excited to talk to you about all the areas of business that we cover on the show. So for those new to the show, my name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband. I am a little bit under the weather still, so I apologize for the nasally voice, Um, but I have a background in marketing, and that's really where I found my passion for helping business owners understand the analytics and numbers behind marketing so they can make better decisions with their budgets and marketing campaigns on those numbers. So super excited to have you with us, Billy, and welcome back to Fight Club, everyone. Thank you. Awesome. And my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. My passion is educating and empowering small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. And I actually met Billy serving that kind of mission and purpose last May. Uh, I was giving a talk on uh, pricing for profits and uh, Billy listened to the talk and then he actually implemented the talk. Oh, guys, also, sorry, there's a new puppy. <laughs> Hopefully he's not too distracting. We'll see. Um, I also own a full service accounting firm called Likes Accounting Company and uh, based out of Northern California. And I own a window cleaning gutter cleaning company with my husband, Jeff. And this is hopefully going to be our new mascot if we can train him how to wear clothes, unlike the last dog. I love it. Hey there. Good morning, everybody. I'm Michelle Myers, co-owner of Pink Collars and also lovely and happy co-owner of a Wise Coatings location in the D.C. metro area. I am thrilled to have you here, Billy, because not only was I online two days ago, not knowing you were going to be a guest, looking for a brand new front door for my own personal home and struggling deeply with trying to get that done. I'm going to be excited to hear how you've solved that problem for homeowners. I can probably give you a few tips. I'm your customer. I'm 100% your customer. So welcome to Fight Club. I'm happy to see you. Thank you. <laughs> well, that was like a perfect segue. Thank you, Michelle, for like <laughs> finding that ideal customer right into marketing for me. So I'm going to steal your phone. I appreciate it, Michelle. <laughs> um, so it sounds as just based upon your just introduction and explaining where you really landed in business and how you got to you know, really being able to start installing and selling doors, front door systems, uh, you know, front, I'm assuming any door system, correct? Front, back, sides, any door around the house? Anything but overhead. We just don't do overhead. You know, uh, I I avoided overhead just because if you start looking for overhead, it's no problem finding overhead. You know, if you have a garage door problem, you type garage door near me and, and no problem finding a garage door company. But there's a lot, there's a, a giant hole um, in, in the U S for someone to come out and re-weather strip your front doors. Um, in Dallas, a lot of where, where we're from, a lot of the doors are the door frames rot because the builders just use the cheap wooden door frames and they get wet and they rot that far up. That's mm. as far as the water can pull up. So we have composite door frames 
and it's just a booming area here. So um, we're we're spending a lot of time branding and and educating um, the consumers that there is a need for this. All the while, they're all looking for us as well, and, and we're doing pretty good with Google. So I love that. So it's it's very much. Um, I'm interested to now go after we get off our call today and see what we have for Florida because. I can imagine that there's got to be something similar with, with the hurricane schedules that we deal with and the different types of storms and weather that we have in these tropical areas. It's that type of repair for doors is necessary. So when you started initially, how did you first start to really put your stamp on the market? Obviously, it sounds like you did a lot of word of mouth initially and had some friends that you knew that did have interest in wanting to have new doors and input in their house in their into their homes. There we go. But as far as um, really starting to mass market to your area and your niche, how did you start to do that? Because it sounds like you created, a, you know, filled a hole, a gap in the market that was there for a long time that you might not have had done without your work. <clears throat> what I what I did in in this. I conveniently yesterday uh, went back and was able to pin down. It was by accident. The date we started doing marketing, you know, on uh, AdWords. Mm -hmm. AdWords is really where we, where we're pigeonholed right now. It's where we get most of our leads from, but it's what we've been doing since 2009 and it's been working very well for us. Um, I initially always handled the AdWords campaigns myself in 2009, it was a lot easier than it is today. You know, um, True. Um, the yeah. interface was one, two, maybe three layers. You know, yeah. now <laughs> now it's 3000 layers and very complicated. I still understand it, but I, I don't spend as much time in there. But we were messing around yesterday and my account started in 2009. Before that, I uh, had been doing installs for Home Depot for, for a few years and I was pretty young at the time um for a business owner and was making really good money but every year it got worse um they were the corporate structure it is what oftentimes happened they overcomplicate things um, too much red tape and too many people between the the end customer and the installer you know there was about four or five people in the process between those two so it made it very complicated for the customers and i always thought it doesn't have to be this complicated um, I ran into a guy who was advertising online. Uh, he helped me set up a little website at the time and, and he, he started and he would just send me the leads. And I'm like, man, this is pretty good. I was making more money than I'd ever seen, you know, uh, fixing people's doors. So we did, you know, we did it for a while and decided this is where I wanted to be um, because uh, it's a big area here. Um, it's a, a very niche um area of uh, construction and, and service. Uh, there's not much competition for what we do. And basically for the first seven or eight years, six years, we were doing a, uh, uh, a market study, I guess, if you will, a feasibility study. And then we determined, hey, there's something here. And then about three years ago, decided that we really wanted to uh, try and, and, and grow it. And that's when I started getting into business development, uh, personal development, you know, listening to podcasts, you know, listening to people who have are have been or are where I want to go. And, it, and it's really uh, changed my life. That's impressive. So not only did you find the niche that needed to be filled and supplied that service for your community and your local area, you also started doing the market research to understand that community better, to be able to serve them better. And then from there, now you're able to start growing that business and really investing back into that business to help it really start to market towards, you know, potentially more areas. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to put anything in any words in your mouth, but maybe, you know, branching out and doing some form of additional uh, franchises or things of that sort. So there's a lot of opportunity for you, which is awesome. And all from being able to find a need within your local area. Um as far as moving forward and moving into growth, what does your growth look like for marketing wise? Does it does it look like adding more to Google AdWords? Does it look like more into branding, as you may have mentioned before? Where does that growth look like for your marketing venture? So my experience with growth so far is it has to be um, measured may not be the best uh, word, but you have to kind of you have to take all the sectors with you. You can't just pour money into AdWords and, and then the phone rings off the hook and then you have a fulfillment issue and then you start getting bad reviews. So 
it, it's if you're shoestringing something like this or Greenfield or whatever they want to call it, you really have to be careful not to outrun your cash flow. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've ran my cash flow into the pavement, you know, just because I'm hard headed and, and I just want, you know, I'm ready to go. You know, I feel like I have the tools to, to get me to a certain point and I'm ready to go. But um, we had to add trucks. We, uh, we, re, we re excuse me, we rebranded uh, back in the fall with uh, kick charge creative. Um, we, we tore it down to the, to the ground we had them redo our brand. Um, it, I felt like it was uh, necessary for a new website. We wanted a new website that converted better. We were getting plenty of calls, but we felt like we were leaving a lot of meat on the bones. So we rebuilt uh, our new website with our new branding so it would convert better through AdWords uh, and SEO, of course. But um, that was really the cornerstone. And then from there, we started uh, adding trucks and then adding people. And then as we had a little bit of capacity, we would turn up the ads a little bit. And then when it got, you know, um, caught up to that, then we would add another truck and try and add a couple more people and just kind of go around and around, you know, making concentric circles around the center Absolutely. as it gets bigger and bigger. Because if you start in the middle and you run way over here, then you've got, you know, fulfillment issue or, or procurement issues or, or, or staffing issues, you know, um, so it, the, the analogy of the concentric circle, I use that a lot with my people because they're like, we need to do this. I'm like, no, we got to stay with the plan and continue to make these circles bigger so we don't outrun anything and, and create havoc. Absolutely. And it sounds like it's a very strong system, which I won't jump into because that's definitely Michelle's area. So I'll let her handle the circle system there. Um, and talking a little bit of uh, about finances as well. It sounds like you have the order to make sure that your structure is staying in line and growing at the pace that you want to grow at while still getting marketing out there for your company, as well as reaching new people that you may not have reached before. So I appreciate taking some time with me today, Billy. I will go ahead and pass you off to Megan so y'all can talk a little bit of finances. Man, Billy, I like I had a whole plan and then you just blew up my plan. So now we're going to go to plan B, but that's okay. First, we have to give a, a, a proper plug to Dan Antonelli with Kick Charge Creative. Uh, you can see this beautiful branding on Billy's shirt. Um, and he has a new book coming out. He's going to be on the show in like two weeks, I think. He has a new book coming out called uh, From Blanded to Branded, I think yep. is the new title of the book. So uh, keep a lookout for that. And uh, I know Billy and I are both huge Dan fans because he gave us our grown up facelifts. That's what I call it. Or like our, you know, he just gives a new look for our companies. Um, okay, so I thought, Billy, we were going to talk about like pricing and profitability because that's actually how this invitation came about as we were having this really great chat about these huge changes you've made since May. And I think we still have to do that. But first, I want to finish this thought with Tay because you just said something that I think is so timely and relevant. You said you have to be careful not to outrun your cash flow while marketing. Um, I think that we're going to have a lot of listeners who are going to commiserate that their phones have slowed down a little bit, that the lead flow is slowing down. Um, that's what we're hearing in our industry. Uh, some of it is seasonal, like August is always kind of a weird shoulder month. Um, but I think some of it is recession. I think some of it is like fear of what's coming. Um, so can we just can you share a little bit how you determine when you don't want to outrun your cash flow? How do you determine like you need your phone to ring? So how do you know how much to spend on marketing? Well, so traditionally we've always been pretty efficient. We're, we're, we're in a niche space with not a lot of competition. Um, you know, the last four months I have awoken, awakened, awoken, I'm not sure to the, uh, to the scary fact that, uh, I'm pretty much married to AdWords right now and we're not very, uh, uh, diversified in our marketing strategy. We're developing a more diversified strategy, but right now we're going all in with, with AdWords. We're about 5% of our uh, overall uh, revenue we spend in marketing, which is pretty good. Um, and we're also pretty much at capacity with um, our, our uh, field at piece. You know, uh, we, we don't have a whole lot of capacity left there. So the uh, the whole outrun your cash flow thing you know uh, applies across the board you know so I, I if I don't have the guys to put in the trucks early on I went and just bought more trucks I didn't have guys to put in them and, and so I was heavy in um, uh, payments and insurance until I got guys to put in those and they started producing um, but I got scared because I'm like there's no trucks we're never going to be able to get trucks and I found trucks and I bought them it was kind of an opportunity I felt like it was fine 
you know, it, it worked, but it just thinned me out in some other areas. Um, I feel like I still have, as far as marketing goes, I could spend a lot more than I do and be justified in doing it, you know, only spending 5% right now um, to get more leads, especially as the shoulder season kind of uh, takes over um, just to kind of keep things going. But it makes it a lot harder to take that extra ad spend and, and devote to something like paying for another wrap or, or another van payment or whatever. So, you yeah, know, and I feel like branding is an investment for future income, absolutely. But, but it, you know, it is, can be a little bit slow, right? It can sure. take some time. So kind of carving out this expectation that, Hey, we're going to be here. We're going to buckle down. We're going to be here a while. Um, but it's going to make your marketing spend cheaper in the long run. Um, I feel like Tay is going to say, you know, having a map, like what is your marketing strategy and plan for the year is really helpful for a budgeting perspective, right? If you know you need to do mailers here and voicemail bombs there and Facebook ads here, and you've got your constant running of Google ads, like that makes it easier to come up with a, a special separate marketing budget, um, which is the same process as a normal budget. And I know I've said the word budget like three times and it's not a fun or sexy word, but we're going to get there because I'm going to tell you what Billy has done since I saw him last, or Billy's going to tell you, we're going to tell you together because I'm taking some pride of ownership here. So uh, we met just about three months ago, Billy, uh, and I gave a talk at Vertical Track. So plug to Tommy Mello and the team over there at A1. Um, and I gave a talk called Pricing for Profits. And like these talks, I'm, you know, I'm up there giving my all. It was a pretty fun one. Like we had this uh, Canadian boxer announcer announcing from the stage. Like it started off on a good note. And um, I think it was an hour long talk. And I'm, I'm just saying the stuff like you got to know your numbers. You got to understand what your fixed costs are. You have to know what your break even point is. And you can't price based on your competition because 75% of businesses fail in the first 15 years. And if you price the same as them, you're going to fail too. Pretty much 75% guaranteed. Um, so I gave this talk and, uh, you know, you never really know what people consume. Billy and I had dinner a little bit later. I don't think we've been talked about the talk. So I, no. I didn't know he was like a raving fan. And so tell me what happened when you got home from vertical track. And I guess we're going to give partial credit to Tommy Mello, but I'm, I'm taking most of the credit for what's about to come. So, well, so yeah, a little bit about my journey through this, I vertical track was probably my second or third event to ever come to. And, and at first when I started going to these things, I was like, it's just, we're going to hear the same stuff as the, as we get on the podcast is all the things on YouTube, but I was wrong when I got there. I did, I did get that uh, information that, that you can, you know, consume in a lot of places. However, the, uh, the networking aspect is always worth the price of admission. I, you know, just meeting Megan and meeting some of these other people, bring so much more value than you can get from just hearing the words. You see people who are actually living what they're preaching and, and teaching and it, and it makes a different impact. You know, it just hits different. So um, as far as your talk goes, you know, I've, everybody keeps saying, raise your prices, raise your prices. But when I got to hear from Megan and I got to talk to Megan and, and listen about how they actually do some things in their business and some of the other, you know, Tommy and some of the other that we went through his shop and got to hear all that. I came home. My books have been a mess for a few years. We had a horrible bookkeeping experience, um, just had some struggles there. So I honestly, at the time, didn't even know. We had gotten multiple price increases from our vendors over the last six, eight, 10 months, and we had never raised our prices. You just felt, you know, hey, there's money in the checking account. I'm so, going to pause you because you're on a roll, but raise your hand if you've had multiple price increases, right? Like this is yeah, one of the epiphanies. Sure. We have inflation. We have increased costs of doing business. We have supply chain issues. We have, we're paying our people more to, you know, remember when we were trying to attract when we couldn't hire anybody. So if you're listening to this and any of that resonated, this is your reminder that that's all coming from your pocket until you raise your prices, right? Until you raise your prices, that's coming from your net profit or from your owner's comp. That's the only place it really comes from. So, uh, so Billy was like, he knew that was happening, but he didn't really know what to do about it. So I think he's going to tell us what he decided to do about it. So I sat down and I didn't have very good data to work with. So I just took the previous two months. We figured out what our um, overhead and cost of goods sold was and what our construction income was. And they were two numbers that were really too close together. Um, 
way too close. And, and it told me a lot. It was like, golly, we're, we're just, we're two, 3% in the last two, two or three months to the good. And that's, that's not, that's 10 cents a gallon gas increase and it's wiped out, you know? So um, I didn't do any market research. I just swung from the, from the hip and, and I went in to our service Titan and, uh, and we had just kind of hit in our stride with service Titan at this point, cause we started in October, but it takes several months to kind of get your feet wet and to, you know, to uh, run with it. But we had our price book finally well put together and I just went in and I put apply to all increase 40% save and, and crossed my fingers and told my sales guys and, and all the things, um, that was at May the 28th and June we had wait, a wait, pause. You got to pause there again because you just gave Michelle and Taya a heart attack. And I'm afraid a listener might've heard 4% or 14%, but just to be clear, he said 40% apply to all in a closed price book. What this means is nobody's going to be going in and doing custom pricing. Like he has a price book and he increased across the board by 40%. Okay. That's yeah. amazing. And, you know, he probably had a similar feeling to Michelle and Tay. I mean, Michelle, like heart attack and Tay just like, oh, that hurts. Um, and his sales guys, he says they turned green and they were like, you're crazy. This isn't going to this is going this is going intense. But he, this, this is a success story. So keep listening because he's about to tell you what happened next. Forty yeah. percent price increase. Billy, first of all, I'm super proud of you. That took a lot of guts. Um, now let's give them some hope about what comes next. June was our first full month with the price increase. Our close rate. Sorry, you have to pause again. We met May 15th, guys. May 15th. So in two weeks, in two weeks, he had already implemented this. We consume information all the time on the podcast. We go to conferences, we listen to stuff, and we're like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I should do that. Billy said, everybody says raise your prices. But you have to actually do it at some point, right? You have to get up the courage, maybe have a drink or, you know, a Red Bull or whatever, and like press save on the price increase. Okay. So in less than two weeks, he's already done all this math and implemented. So now we can get to June. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep interrupting you, but it makes it more fun. It was late at night when I did it, you know, and I may have had something to drink, but anyway, we got it through June. Uh, our, our close rate did go down just a little bit, not a lot, you know, a few points, but our revenue, our sales went up by over 40 percent over the month before we had our biggest month ever um you know sales wise and then that was followed up and backed up in july by a three percent bigger month than the month before and we started out the month of august and did 30 percent of what we had done the previous two months in the first three days. And then it's kind of tailed off a little bit. I think the shoulder season's catching up with us. However, we're still on pace to beat the, the, the last two months. So you're talking about knockout sales months, three months in a row, right? And you're talking about a very tiny dip to conversion rate, because that's what we're always worried about, right? Like I can't raise my prices that much. Nobody will ever buy. They're going to tell me I bumped my head. Like they're going to turn feather me. Uh, he, he said, like three to 4% dip in his conversion rate, which he will absolutely recover because he's doing sales training and empathy training with his techs and his salespeople. Um, that's all great, but I hate talking about top line numbers. What happened to the bottom line? So where were you in May? Yeah. Where so did you in May, go in June? We there, pretty much broke even. We were, we were positive just a little bit, but for, for June, um, net profit was 32 and some change percent. Um, July is looking like it's going to be right there as well. You know, nothing materialistically changed there. I haven't got the exact numbers, but just based off of the whole numbers, the construction income and the cost of goods sold, we're, we're going to be right there as well for uh, July. The crazy part to me is that that was by design. You basically called your shot and you set your team up for success. And then you tried something, you tried something scary and you tried something that most people have lots of excuses not to try. And in one month, you changed the financial story of your company. Now, by doing that, like people are like, I need to increase my profitability, maybe next year or maybe next quarter. Like, no, Billy did it in two weeks, in two weeks with maybe one drink and some courage and a little bit of tutorial. He did it. And then he had a 30, a 32 percent net profit is something to really celebrate. And I happen to know that Billy, it's a true net profit. It's not like he's not paying himself or, you know, like there are things that aren't accounted for. 
he changes financial story. So if you're sitting there like, it's just, you know, we're in single digits and it's too hard to change it. There's a secret recipe here. Know your costs, raise your prices, get some courage. For I guess sure. that's like, that, that's basically my whole talk in about 30 seconds. <laughs> know your costs, raise your prices, get some courage, and then stick to the plan. Um, and, and I'm just, that's a transformation from like a 3% net profit to 32% in 30 days is, I mean, amazing, amazing results. And we, I think we've overcome all the objections. Your conversion rate's going to take a small dip. Your team's going to hate your guts, but it's still going to work. Even and if it takes a 30% dip, you're still, you know, level, you know, as far as sales go. So you, there's some, there's some room to move down without being, you know, moved out. And even if you do go back to the revert to your, if your sales do go down and you're still at 30% profit, you still got some money to work with because even though you didn't sell as much, there's some actual profit there to do something with. Now you guys may be a little slower or whatever. It'll catch back up. You know, we're having to learn how to uh, sell value better now um, to work on our close rate because we've had a pretty similar close rate for the whole year and we need that to come way up. So, we're not doing a good enough job selling value. So that's what we're focusing now. Us too. I love because our paths are, we're in completely different industries, completely different parts of the world, but our paths are very parallel. We rebanded at a similar time. And I've noticed that like, I need to now communicate that brand through my words. So we're working with power selling pros to help us really articulate that value um, after we've rebranded because we want we our quality was there. We did that. Thank you, Martha. Quality driven software. Then our image was there. And now it's how do we communicate that value and image to our to our clients? Um, I I need to pass you to Michelle, but before I do, you shared some really interesting things with me in May. No, not in May, like a week ago, about mindset. Can we talk about mindset for a minute? And so you've been in business since 2009, which means you're about 13 years into this, but you say that you didn't really take it seriously or drink the Kool-Aid or like feel like motivated until about three years ago in terms of changing your financial story and your family's financial story. And I, one thing I love about Billy is when I met him, he had a son there, he's got another son at his company, he had his wife there and he had his daughter-in-law there. And it was like a whole family affair that we crashed their dinner, basically. It was super fun. Uh, <laughs> his wife's awesome. Uh, so uh, I want to I want to hear a little bit about that mindset shift that happened three years ago, because I have a feeling there's a listener or two out there that have these blocks around money, like how we're talking about 32% increase in net profit or 40% increase in sales. A lot of people don't have the courage because they have this like guilt and shame and like this this back mentality of growing up maybe without. So can we talk about that for just three minutes or so? Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. Sorry, I know we could do like a whole hour on it, but yeah. I, I feel like it's yeah, important I can give to a make a TED talk on this. This is easy for me. Okay. Uh, you know, I've okay. taken a similar approach across my business. You know, I talked earlier about tearing tearing down with my branding and, and having a cornerstone now with our new brand. Um, when we decided to do this, um, I decided that I had to, if I was going to grow the company, we had too many bad habits. We were having way too many problems at $1 million to compound them to get to 5 million. We could have got there, you know, the way it was going, but, um, it, it would have just been 10 X problems. So, and, and, and I'm making this analogy because I did the same thing with my mindset. Um, I was, I didn't believe in myself for a long time. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I decided that I wanted to uh, invest in myself, invest in my future. And I tore myself down. I grew up poor. Uh, and when you grow up poor and around poor people, a lot of times you hear that costs too much, or you can't do that, mm -hmm. or that'll never work. Everything is negative. There's never a positive, you know, like, uh, Oh, they're raising taxes or whatever. And, and I see it a lot and I'm in several um, trade groups, you know, and people are talking about all these, you know, governmental financial things they have no control over, but some people we're still out here killing it, even, you know, in different uh, Republican Democrat, it doesn't matter if you have the right mindset, you just adapt to the, uh, the situation and you move forward. So I decided that I wanted to, um, um, bring value to myself and the people that work for me. And we wanted to, uh, th that I knew that I was capable of, of more than just subsistence living, basically, you know, making a good, decent living. Um, mm -hmm. And so 
that's really what set it in motion. I decided that I didn't want to have a negative mindset anymore, that I wanted to uh, um, be wealthy. And this was my my vehicle to do that. And, and if you're a business owner out there, your small business is your vehicle for that. And the, the speed bumps are yourself. You have to look into yourself and look and see where your um, where your your roadblocks are and learn to get over those roadblocks. You know, how high is the wall that you need to get over to move on? Is it three feet? Is it two feet? Can you step over it? If you can step over it, step over it and move on. Um, and then also surrounding yourself, making your, your change your circle. If you're around people who, when you give them an idea or tell them about your idea, they immediately tell you that won't work. You're around the wrong people. You need, mm-hmm. uh, you need to hang out with people who are going or who have been where you want to go. Um, find mentors who are going or who have been where you want to go, who have the experience to guide you through those minefields of your own, uh, mind to get you out of your own out of your own way um i've got a handful of of great mentors who have blown through where i feel like i would be comfortable going and you know i they already have encouraged me to not to not see where i want to go as a stopping point but a resting place to get ready to go further so i'm very excited Mm -hmm. about you know our future and our growth and our opportunities um and and using my business as the spaceship to take us to the moon and beyond. I love that. And the fact that you changed some of that in like 30 days, like, so I think first we got to set the mindset, like you deserve this. You are working hard and you are worthy of wealth. Like I, I, I hope that you hear me when you're listening to this podcast, that you are worthy of wealth and that despite your past, despite the story that you've been told or the story that you tell yourself, this is the key. Like owning us, this, it, you get, I call my business all the time. I'm like, it's like an ATM machine. Like I just, you know, I write myself money. I, like I can print my own money. Like it's <laughs> the most incredible thing because it's something I have complete control over. And in this atmosphere of recession, in this atmosphere of, you know, tighten lead flow, there is a lot that you can do. And we've been talking on the show for several weeks about that. So if you need to go back and listen to a past episode, please do. But there is a lot still in your control. And once you shift your mindset, like Billy did, the sky's the limit, really. It's the mind, your mindset is really the only hurdle. I mean, if you can get through your mindset, you can do anything. You know, I, I, I never thought that I, I'm like, when I was younger, in my, my poor mindset, you know, I was always poor in my mind, you know, I was scared to go and try and buy a car and I, I was scared to go and buy multiple vehicles and finance them through the business. But when I got out and I shook that fear, it was easy. You know, they'll, they'll give anybody, you know, <laughs> credit to buy vehicles, you know, you have to be ready for it, but uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm learning that Billy's brave. I feel like you've overcome a lot of fear and, and I like that you're being vulnerable about sharing that because I think there's listeners out there that can relate to it. Um, and my last parting comment before I pass to Michelle related to this overcoming fear is he's not afraid to reach out. So he has reached out to the mentors and the people he has idolized and the people he's learned from. And he has said every single person has responded positively. Every single person has taken time to help him. I've got one thing about that. And, okay. and this is for anyone listening. If Once you surround yourself with these people that I, that I speak of, you know, that, that are successful or that you want to emulate or uh, would love to have as a mentor, even if you don't know them, send them a, a message on Facebook. They may not reply, but if they see you trying like uh, you know uh, um ben davis um is a friend of mine i spoke to him a couple days ago and he's like man i have people trying to you know i try and help people all the time and this and that but he's like i love helping you because you always implement if you're going to mm-hmm. ask these people for help if you're going to reach out to these people they have to see you doing the things that they're they're um uh, prescribing to you if it's a reading a book or or whatever it is if they see you hustling and they see you trying and they see you in the trenches doing these things they will i've yet to have anyone tell me no from ken goodrich multi hundred million dollar company owner to to megan to to anyone no one has told me and she emailed me back immediately yeah we all good He's texting all these people Ellen. because he's brave. So <laughs> I, I, that was, I took up way too much time. I'm sorry, ladies, but that was oh, really, great. really awesome. And Michelle, 
loves talking about mindset and systems and all uh, things. So I'm going to just be quiet and let Michelle <laughs> take it from here. Thank you, this Billy, is, very much. <laughs> this is honestly so timely. I was on with a mentor and coach yesterday myself, and we were talking about this exact subject about mindset and about speed bumps and about you're in your own way. And she tasked me with writing something down. She's like, okay, go find some paper and write some things down. Journal something for me. And I was so lame. I've come to a conference. I have no paper. So I'm walking around the hotel room trying to find that little pad of paper, right? I'm like searching everywhere. I find the tiniest little pad of paper and I filled it up with all this little chicken scratch. And it's wild just doing that for her at that requirement. I felt so much better. And then once I looked back and read it, I was like, well, no wonder she asked me to write this down. This is a bunch of junk on this paper. Like my mindset was really in the, in the toilet yesterday. And so she really helped me identify that. Tell me how you work on your own internal thing, other than reading books and, and reaching out to mentors. Is there un, any other personal habit that you've adopted to help you change your mindset, like writing or? So I do, I do respect everyone's time whenever I'm, when I go to these uh, conferences, I've been to several now. Pantheon was the first one I went to. And I'm like, all right, it was free. They sent me a ticket. And it changed my life, like legit. Wow. You know, I, I met a lot of people there who are now mentors and or friends um, that have no problem, um, you know, helping me level up. And um, I, I always take notes, though. When I go to these things, I always take notes. I always uh, I will I try and and manage my notes to where if I run into something, you know, if I can go to my memory bank, I can go back and find it in my notebook to help me re refer or refresh my memory, or at least remember who it was that was giving a talk and reach out to them or whatever for a sure. little bit more specific, you know, help. But, um, other than, than taking notes and taking their time serious, you know, offer to take them to lunch, but take their time serious because they're, most successful people, you know, if they're 10, 15, $20 million company, their time is very valuable. So they can spend it, you know, doing things that you're, you're, you're taking away from their profitability time to, to, to help you out. And, and that's, you know, to me, I, I, I appreciate that when people uh, will do that for me. So just respect their time. I love that. Okay. I don't want to make a hard shift from touchy feely because I could stay here all day, but I do want to talk about systems and I am fully uh, disclosing that I was attempting right here on my phone. You can see I was attempting to specify a new front door at my own house the other day. And can I tell you for the homeowner, this is a very frustrating kind of concept. And I'm on your website and I see that you have a page that is so awesome. And it says, how to take pictures to receive an estimate. So you make it super simple. Tell me how that has helped you gain more leads and how the homeowner feels like more invested because they're part of the process. Tell me how you came up with that. Cause I've literally never seen anyone do it that simple. Take a picture. Here's a price. It was really out of uh, desperation, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were okay. a small company and you know, our marketing was working really well. The phone just rings like crazy. And sure. Last year, the whole year, I was the only salesperson. Of course, I was running everything and going to get everything and doing everything. <laughs> we were about, I don't know, seven or eight or nine people last year. We're 17 or 18 now. But I did all the sales. I sold a million dollars from my desk last year. I never went out to look at a job or wow. to give an estimate. All from my desk. Um, COVID kind of brought that in, you know, being able to um, to do that because of COVID. We were already kind of on that path before COVID hit just because when you get, I was doing 16 sales appointments every single day, four days a week, uh, eight in the morning and eight in the afternoon <laughs> from my desk. So there's just way too many for one person to go out in the field and look at, you sure. know, so we were doing it because it weeds out it, at the time it was weeding out the people who were, were tire kickers. We had too many leads. We, we just wanted mm -hmm. the, the low hanging fruit and it, and it worked great for that. Um, but now I've shifted because as the uh, the buying public gets younger, um, mm -hmm. my generation, uh, and I'm sure your generation too, um, I was early in the generation that started to get technology. But now 30-somethings, yeah. uh, even 20-somethings are now homeowners, and their whole life, their whole buying experience has been online or on their phone. Mm -hmm. so, All right, yep. 
<laughs> the uh, when I go online, like you, when you go on went online to look for a door, you just really wanted to know how much it was going to cost. Generally, you're trying to wrap your mind yeah. around what it's going to yeah. cost, and I feel like everyone wants that. I get frustrated when I go somewhere and or you see an, and you're thinking about a car. So when you start thinking about a car, they start popping up on Facebook, right? Yep, exactly. And you the thing, you're like, I just want to know how much the car is. I don't want to talk exactly. to anyone. So exactly. it was something to help us speed up that process because, you know, the, the normal contractor way is to go out, look at the job. Okay, we'll get back to you in a few days. Well, you lose people yeah. that way. That If you tell them immediately what it costs, you're going to lose some. But yeah. the quicker you can get them on the books, the quicker you can get paid and the less time you give them to go out and find someone else to do the job. We've changed up the model a little bit. Uh, now that we have multiple salespeople, we're starting to do uh, option selling um to try and raise our um close rate but it mm. still works out so much better you know everyone's got an internet connection now everyone has a smartphone or whatever uh, we can present over zoom or just tell them their options over the phone and um until that model quits working i i, I unless it's a huge job that really requires some hands-on in the field I, I don't see us going back to a uh to go out and look type of of uh system anymore. Wow. So, so if I'm hearing you right, just for those that are listening, you have fully moved from an in-person estimate model to a fully digital estimate model. Is that correct? That is correct. But it's kind of deceiving because for doors, especially in our area, it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, doors are pretty modular. Uh, sure. It's not like bricks or shingles or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, it's pretty modular. If you can give me a, a rough estimate, a height and width on your door, send me some good pictures from the inside and out. I can tell if it's sagging. I can tell if it needs to be reset. I can tell if it's rotted. I can wow. tell if the weather strip is bad just from those photos. And, and it really, for me, it would be hard to do in heat and air or something like that. Sure. But for, for, for my niche or for windows where you've got 50 windows to measure in your house if you're replacing them. But for, for my niche, for, for doors, it really is a uh, perfect storm of opportunity um, to uh, incorporate technology and speed and urgency in closing the sale. I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed. So now how do you take all that information implemented into your CRM? Is that go there? And then what CRM are you using? Because a lot of people want to know what tools guys are using right now. We're on Service Titan and uh, Service Titan, you know, uh, gets a lot of praise and it also gets a lot of bad press. My <laughs> first three months on Service Titan, I, I would have wanted to take it out in the parking lot and set it on fire. Like It, it, was, very, <laughs> it was a very tough transition. It's not it's not very intuitive on the front end. We had come from House sure. Call Pro and House Call Pro is pretty much an app. It's very intuitive, yep. all the things. It worked fine, but it does not have the robust um, computing capabilities and, and reporting capabilities that Service mm -hmm. Titan does. And you can't, I'm not saying you can't, it's a lot harder to grow your business and know where you're headed without those numbers, you know, without knowing what your close rate is. It's very simple. I can go, for yesterday, last week, month today, quarter, month, uh, year to date, yeah. and know how many leads we had, the lead source, and how many of those we've closed. And immediately I know my close rate, you know, yeah. uh, it tells you your average ticket right there. So my average ticket has, has gone up almost $900 in three months. Wow. Um, That's know, awesome. Just, <laughs> I am yeah. so happy about <laughs> Megan loves that. It makes it a whole lot easier to forecast the future. You know, if I want to do yeah. 10 million, I just divide it by my average close rate or my average ticket now. And I know how many tickets I got to have, you know, it's well, so yeah. it a whole lot easier. The number. Billy and I did a goal setting exercise the other day, just for shits and giggles uh, for his 10 million. Um, and sorry, I just cursed on Fight Club. Kelvin, it's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but nine hundred dollar average ticket increase for him was a sixty percent increase. So that wasn't wow. just him, uh, you know, raising his prices by forty percent. It was more Four. than that, guys. Yeah. It was it was how he's offering the multiple options. It was how they're selling their value. It was his, you know, kicked charge new brand. But sixty percent increase to average ticket, and it makes his path to ten million so much easier. Sorry, I said I was gonna stop talking. Yeah, no, it makes everything easier, though. You know, just knowing those numbers makes, you know, uh, I went from a very reactionary business. You know, last year we were very reactionary. Sure. And now, you know, we're looking ahead. We're, we, I mean, we were literally in here yesterday. We decided that we, instead of going to four million next year, we want to do six. So we're in here 
gaming it out on the board. You know, how many trucks are we going to have to have? How many, how many of our guys can we promote to senior installers? How many apprentices mm-hmm. are we going to need? You know, all those things. And Service Titan gives us the capability to do that. Now that it's running good, we, we hire the right people. You know, I have a guy full-time that just does our digital stuff, and he was dedicated to Service Titan and learning it and bringing it back. Wow. It makes it a lot easier. If a lot of people don't put in what they should, so they give back what they put in, you know, with any CRM, you know, you, there's a learning curve and, and, and all that. Um, but service Titan is, I couldn't imagine going without it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So since Martha's gone today, I want to pivot just a tiny bit and talk about people before we went online live. Um, you were talking about how you had an operations person put in for the first time in your business. Tell us what that big hire was, because that's a little bit scary for a lot of people and how that's kind of impacted the strategy of your growth, because it's really about who, not how. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a big hire and it was scary for me, but I knew um, Megan and I talked the other day about all the books that we've read and and the information that we get from these books. And and what you have to do with books and the information you get is be careful that you you don't wholesale into things because. (laughs) You would be changing the way you do stuff every time you read a book. You know, exactly. my guys look up and we're like, uh-oh, Billy read another book. Look out. Uh-oh, you know? here we come. <laughs> you, you really, what I've done is take a little bit away from everything that I read that, that will I can plug in and will improve something without making wholesale changes. Um, so Traction is a book that I read that, that put me on that. Okay. I So, and then... Reading traction, I, I knew after I, I'm, I'm a visionary, you know, I'm no doubt about it, a visionary. Yep. I'm a horrible implementer. I'm a horrible person with, with systems. I'm horrible with management. I'm horrible with um, just keeping things in place. So I knew I needed that guy. So I, I went on Indeed and I had, done, you know, done. I, Indeed's a pretty cool place. I can go on there and I just type in all kinds of weird off the wall keywords looking for yeah. people who may have something like that in their, <laughs> uh, their resume. So I typed in the word traction and implementer in the keyword search and I did it mm-hmm. for the whole state of Texas. And, you know, like nobody's going to move here for this. <laughs> so I found a guy who had recently updated his resume who was in Austin, San Antonio, Texas, who was an implementer. That was three wow. two or four that came up with this. And, and his was the only one that had been recently updated. And it says, willing to relocate anywhere. I'm like, oh, wow. his name was there. So I immediately went to uh, LinkedIn and uh, looked him up on LinkedIn and sent him a message on LinkedIn. And he came up the next week and, and uh, the rest is history. He's uh, He's got a, a restaurant that, background. That's insane. You just have to pause. He it's just huge. like cold called somebody based on a LinkedIn <laughs> search and then it worked out on the first try. Like it, it was, Billy. When things like that happen, it's divine. Okay. It and, is and divine. Then, That's right. You know, <laughs> what homework's going to be. I couldn't really <laughs> make him any, any big promises. You know, I, I, I promised him a good salary. I paid him for relocation, but I couldn't really make him any big promises. I said, we really need to get a good year under our belt to get good data to see what we can do, you know, Bonus wise, you know, all the extra perks. So he, yeah. he, he believed in me. He bought in. He moved his family up here from San Antonio and uh, has certainly he, he worked for a company that is where we want to go. One eight hundred got junk. He was a wow. manager there. So he brought all their playbooks, you awesome. know, all the things. And it really made an immediate uh, impact. You know, he's great with people. Um, all the other department managers love him. All the installers love him. You know, he's, he's very even killed, easy to talk to, easy to work with, and doesn't get scared when I lay stuff on his desk. <laughs> That's epic. I love it. Um, so traction is something we implemented at uh, Pink Collars this year, and it's changed our game as well. So I absolutely love that. I think Martha would be proud that we talked about the who, not how. Anybody else want to weigh in, please? Yeah, I want to pretend to be Martha for a second. I always please. That. <laughs> uh, yesterday, you made a post to Facebook uh, about something you called. Cool- cool you did with your leadership team you want to talk about that for a second yeah so our my my big hairy audacious goal um as some would say um uh, mike uh what's his name the mike McCallowitz. yeah mike McCallowitz. <laughs> that that was in uh, one of his books um my big hairy audacious goal 
which doesn't seem so hairy and audacious anymore as we get closer, is $10 million in sales per year in five years or less. So, um, oh, crap, I just went brain dead. Uh, you were you're kind of sharing that vision with your leadership team, getting them to drink the Kool-Aid, and you started a Facebook post. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the book book. Yeah. So in order to do that, hey. you're, you're going to have to get to 40 or 50, 45, somewhere in there, you know, revenue wise to do 10 million, you know. Um, so in order to do that, we've got to have leadership in place. So when I talked about earlier about being uh, not being reactionary, but going out in front of things now, um, um, the leadership book club is how we're going to do that internally. You know, I, I'm bringing people in starting them off uh, where I started, which the very first book I read when I started this journey was how to win friends and influence people. It had been on my desk probably for five years. And one day I just picked it up and started reading it and realized how big of an idiot I really was, how little I really knew. <laughs> so that's the book that we're starting out our people on is how to win friends and influence people. Uh, we're reading a chapter or two every week and then talking about it Monday mornings before we get started. And then we'll ease into other things. But I really feel like um, it, it, it comes a point where if you continue to hire leadership people and bring them in, your people are, aren't always going to be open to that, especially when you already have good people that you can bring up into those positions. So we, we realize that we're pretty thin in leadership. Um, we're going to need all that before we start, you know, just hiring all these people. And uh, this is our, our way to get in front of that. So Billy's being proactive. He and I, and he had already done a goal setting exercise that said if his goal is 10 million, how many people is that going to take? How many mm -hmm. technicians, how many admins, how many leaders? What does that org chart look like? And then how do you start thinking about how you're going to build it out? And there's the logistical stuff like buying the trucks, making the phone ring, making sure you're profitable, making sure that you're, you know, there's enough Google ads out there to get you to that price. But there's also this proactiveness of like, those people need to be developed. And so um, Michelle actually has a whole system around this. I'm not, I'm not talking to her. And I, am I, and I think, I feel like Michelle will send it to you. She has like an entire leadership book club built out in Trello. Like I think it's just like a plug and play. You need to sell that at some point, Michelle. Yeah. I think it's should. epic. Yeah, it's epic. So she can share that with you. And I will share mm -hmm. because you asked yesterday. Um, Jeff has started this with his company also. And uh, they started with extreme ownership. So that was a really good one for them to do yep. uh, as a team. So I think that was awesome. Martha, okay, Michelle, Tay, do you want to be Martha or are you good? I I'm, think I'm good. Okay. She's like, I'm trying not to die. I'm coffee. trying not to die. <laughs> um, okay. So we homework? Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead, Tay. Let's do it. Yeah. Homework. So um, Bill, you're more than welcome to give homework. Um, we'll go around the three of us first, and then you're more than welcome at the end to go ahead and add some yourself. For those listening, if this is your first time hearing how we do homework, we do want to emphasize that we only want you to choose one piece of homework. We are about to give you three to four pieces of homework, and that is a lot to accomplish within one week. So our goal is to make sure that you do move the needle forward in your business this week, and you do get some um, kind of awesome things accomplished based upon listening to this podcast. So as far as homework goes, please just remember only choose one and one only. If you do finish that one, you can always try to go for more extra bonus credit, but we are not going to hold you to that. So as far as marketing homework goes, I want you guys to take a look at your marketing calendar and one, make sure you have one. We did talk about that today. We did talk about um, just making sure you have a plan around your marketing campaign. Um, and that's important because we are coming into dips like we did talk about and recession is something that is becoming more and more prevalent at this time. So we want to make sure that we do have a marketing plan and we can be able to adjust that plan when needed to make sure that we are still bringing in dollars to the business. So that's going to be my goal for you this week is to make sure you do have a marketing plan in place. If you don't, I want you to make sure you do implement that this week. Okay. And my homework is going to be, we already made it super simple. It's going to be increase your profitability and you can do this in two weeks. You can actually do this. You can start this motion in one day and here's what you need to do. You need to understand your costs. You need to, even if 
like Billy had all the excuses. He said he had bad bookkeeping. He said everything was a mess. He went back to his hard numbers and he figured out how much does it cost for me to produce this on a monthly basis. He figured out an average and he figured out his hard costs, right? Then using that information, you need to raise your prices. So depending on how far you are off, that's how much you're going to raise your prices. And be brave here. Be bold. 10% is not enough. Mm -hmm. That barely keeps up with inflation. So don't you dare come back and say, I did my homework this week. I raised a 10%. No, 10% is too low. It has to be higher than 10%. So raise your prices. And then the third one is get some courage. Like have some, you know, dig deep, work on yourself, get over the fear, get brave, and actually do it. Raise them. And maybe come up with a number and then like raise it a little bit higher. Like maybe you do it and you're like, I'm going to do 20. And then I'm like, <laughs> Megan, she says, go at least 25 or you can do 30 or hey, Billy did 40 and Billy's competitive. So can you beat Billy? You know, <laughs> maybe Billy will raise his prices again. So um, raise your prices, but, you know, understand your cost, raise your prices and get brave. That's going to be your finance homework this week. Love it. And your systems homework is to check out Billy's website. I'm going to put the link in your homework um, to see how you can reach those 20 and 30 year old folks that are homeowners now. How can you implement technology, photographs, really quick ways to get pricing, um, a pricing tool like ResponseBid? How can you put something in front of your customer that they can get that information they need and not feel the frustration of trying to work with your company? So I just think that's a great thing to like look at as a lens for your business this week. So that's your systems homework. Do you want to take the, the people homework? No, you go. I don't have anything okay, in my brain right that. now. <laughs> okay, Billy's going to do the people homework. Okay, Billy, channel your Martha. You got this. Yeah, so this is a, a little bit philosophical, but my, my challenge, not necessarily homework, but my challenge is to um, change your circle. Find someone, if you're in business and you don't have any business friends, find some business friends. Find someone that's that's close to you, someone that has a business close to the same size. I promise if someone walked in off the street right now that I did not know that was a business owner and wanted to talk business, especially a young person, I would I would clear my calendar and talk business with that person to encourage them. Go out and find someone to uh, to do that for you and then change your circle. Um, tell your dreams to someone who believes in you, someone who won't to be negative to you. For that person is my wife. She you know, she always, I'm kind of choking up here, but she's always uh, encouraged me. Everyone's going to start crying. You can do it. Taser <laughs> is crying. It. Billy's so got good. It's, secret, it's really the secret to my success is her support and and um, trust and faith in me. It gives me the courage to do the things that, that are hard. And find, try and have someone like that in your life. But the, the biggest the biggest thing, if you don't have someone like that, is to go find a business mentor or someone who can encourage you and, and shine a light for you and show you the way they're not going to put it on your desk, but I would, I, I love it when I see young kids that are hustling, I will stop and spend hours talking to them, you know, uh, even if they don't realize why I'm doing it, but kids that hustle, young people go out, just go find someone, even if you're not young find, and you want to be a successful entrepreneur, find someone who is already doing something good, and learn something from them. We call it R&D, which means rob and um, and duplicate. Um, <laughs> everyone is happy to help that is in business, especially if they're successful. Love it. Man, that was like a mic drop. It's beautiful. <laughs> I know. I love it. Right. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Tay's crying. Not, not me. <laughs> we all work with our spouses, so that one gets us all in the feels. <laughs> I don't, I don't get to work with my wife. I, you know, I would like to, but it may, it may give me an advantage, you know, because um, we don't argue or, or um, have differing ideas on business stuff. She just, you know, she, um, she always has a feeling about things and I always listen and I heed that feeling. And that feeling is a very big part of the decisions I make. How does she feel about this big picture? Is it, you know, uh, does she think that it'll work or does she think that it's too big of a risk right now? You know, I'm a risk taker. I'll go out and put it all on red, you know, but her, <laughs> you know, she slows me down and it takes a little bit of both of that, a little bit of the, the, uh, uh, the capacity to take those risks, but also the capacity to heed the, uh, the feelings that your significant other, you know, uh, brings to the table. Oh, I love that. Good. 
So good. <laughs> well, Billy, if anyone does want to get into contact with you post-show, has any questions, wants to pick your brain, what's the best way for someone to get into contact with you? Shoot me an email. My email is billy at dfwdoorrepair.com. My website is dfwdoorrepair.com. The DFW stands for Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, you can uh, find me there. You can find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Billy Klein. Uh, I'm in all the the uh, Garage Door Freedom, all Tommy Mello's groups, you know, all the stuff on Facebook as well. A lot of times, uh, the prop, I would imagine a lot of people that are listening to this are already growth-minded and, and, and want to do better for their business, and they may be in some of those groups too. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. And we always close out every show with a quote. So I'm, I found one while we were chatting, and I really like it. And it says, a business successful or not is merely a reflection of the character of its leadership. And we're all here building leaders. So I loved our time together today. Thank you so much. That's by Truett Kathy, and we'll post it in the group. Be sure to join our Facebook group, um, Fight Club for Business, if you want to reach out to any of us. It's an awesome way to get in touch. So thank you so much, Billy. It was a pleasure having you today. Really and you guys have a have a super day. We miss you, Martha, and we'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And we will. Yeah, we'll see most, a lot of you at the huge this week. Yeah, Billy's yeah. actually going to Nashville too. Maybe we'll have a, a meetup in Nashville tomorrow. Well, let's do it. Uh, and uh, we'll be back on the show next Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Yep. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Have a great day, everyone. Keep fighting. With Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.